The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations of listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely on our website at kopn.org. Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture and find food truth. And today I'm honored to welcome my guest, Ms. Abby Youngblood. She is the executive director at the National Organic Coalition, which is an alliance of farmers, ranchers, NGOs, and food processors who are all dedicated to advancing organic practices and regulations with a focus on integrity. Ms. Youngblood has been a passionate participant in the organic farming and food justice movement for nearly two decades. She is a former co-owner and operator of a vegetable farm in upstate New York. She also spent several years working on food justice and food access issues in New York City, where she managed a farm-to-food pantry program that provided an important source of income to local farmers and fresh organic vegetables to emergency food programs in New York City. Ms. Youngblood holds a master's degree in public policy and nonprofit management from New York University's Wagner School of Public Service, and today she lives with her husband and two small children in Arlington, Massachusetts. Welcome, Abby. Thank you, Melinda. It's a pleasure. Well, it's great to have you with me because as a dietitian, I'm on the front lines with consumers, and I try to explain what different labels mean, how different food production methods impact nutritional quality, as well as our environment, as well as climate change impacts. How we farm not only affects our food, it affects the future for future generations. So I wanted to have you on to speak about what the National Organic Coalition does, the many great resources that you have on your website, which is simply www.nationalorganiccoalition.org, and I'll provide a link for our listeners. But I also want to talk about some press that we've seen lately, specifically in the Washington Post, which casts doubt on the organic seal. And I think that that's unfortunate because... While we have to work to keep the organic seal, to make sure that that organic seal has integrity, we also have to make sure that people understand what they're getting when they purchase something with that organic label. So why don't we just first start out by saying, how did you become involved with organic agriculture? What made it important for you? Yeah, so I was a college student involved in the environmental movement, and I will never forget, actually, uh, an organic farmer came and spoke to the environmental group on our campus. And so I actually went and interned then on his farm. And that's really how I got involved in the organic movement. And that was kind of the spark for me. And my first introduction really was wanting to start my own organic farm business and I did have an opportunity to co-found a farm in upstate New York, and so I've pivoted from being on the production side now to working on policy issues related to organic. Hmm. What was it that the organic farmer said? I mean, that's really quite remarkable for a speaker to 
influence someone's life like that. I hope he knows the impact that he's had on you. But what was it exactly that he said? Do you remember? I don't remember exactly what he said, but I think the connection for me was then between the food that we're eating, how it's produced, and really not just the impact on the environment, but also on human health. And so, you know, I had been thinking about these issues a little bit more in the abstract. And when he came and spoke to our group, I realized that operating an organic farm was a really hands-on, really concrete way to transform the way our system works. And so that's what was exciting to me about it is being able to engage that community in his farm and change the way people eat and in that way really contribute to transforming our agricultural system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with you with regard to this connection between how we raise our food and public health. It's magical, and I I wish we had more agriculture in public health curricula. Maybe things will change. I hope so. I think they are. But that is certainly the mission of this program is to connect those dots. Well, let's talk a little bit about your work in New York because I'm intrigued with this marvelous program where you were able to bring fresh organic vegetables to emergency food programs in New York City. I mean, that's quite remarkable in itself. Were the logistics a nightmare? You know, it was actually something that worked really well, and it was an interesting program that really built off of something that you may be familiar with, which is called community-supported agriculture. Sure. And so it was kind of a modified PSA, community-supported agriculture program, for food pantries and soup kitchens. And it really provided a great support to local farm businesses. It was funded by... New York's State Department of Health because there, there was that connection between what people are eating and public health, but also where the food is coming from and the freshness and excitement around getting your food from a local farm, knowing who was growing it, learning a little bit more about how it was produced and having a chance to actually go and visit that farm. That's one of the things that we did with that program, which is a program called Fresh Food for All. It's a joint program between Just Food in New York City and the United Way of New York City. Wow, that's remarkable. Really exciting. Yeah. Is that unique? It sounds to me like that could be a national model for other food pantries and food banks. Was that unique to New York? It is somewhat unique in that uh, with funding from the State Department of Health and with the explosion of CSAs in New York City and kind of that hub, it was really built around that. And it's been some time since I was managing that program, but when I was there in New York City, we did look to see if there were other similar programs around the country. And we did find, again, that concept of connecting people directly with where their food was coming from and giving a chance for emergency food programs to get food that way. We did see that concept, but nothing quite like the New York City model. Were you able to collect any data showing that people's mental and physical health improved with improvements in their diet? No, we didn't go into that in depth, and that was something that we were interested in doing. One of the challenges is that the populations we were serving 
it was a challenge to get consistent data and have mm-hmm. relationships with the same families over time because of the population served by the emergency food program. Sure. But I can say that we had anecdotal data, and we had in that program what we called community chefs, folks from those communities who went through Just Food's program to actually do some of the food education. And so they got to have some of those relationships over time and see people trying vegetables that they had never had before and really opening up to integrating more fresh produce into their diets. Well, I think it's wonderful. And even though you didn't collect maybe some hard data showing the health benefits, I can tell you that we have so much data in the nutrition world showing the impact of fresh vegetables on reducing diabetes, reducing heart disease. There's just, as well as mental health, you know, being well-nourished is such a critical part of really our pursuit of happiness, I think, and overall wellness. So I think the work that you did there is truly a wonderful component of food justice, as you mentioned. So I commend you for that. Is there anything else you want to say about your work there before we move on to the National Organic Coalition work? I think the only other thing I would add is just how valuable it is for the farms to have those connections. And I guess this concept translates to maybe some of the other issues that we're going to talk about in that it's very hard to run a viable farm business right now. And so we need programs like that that really incentivize moving our agricultural system and also our food system in the right direction. And so At the policy level, we want to take some of these success stories and find ways of replicating them and giving more support to farms that are using growing practices that are more beneficial for the environment and human health and likewise for programs that help people access healthy, fresh produce. Mm -hmm. What made you interested in taking on the role of executive director at the National Organic Coalition? You know, for me, it was a really exciting opportunity because it was taking an issue that I was passionate about and really applying a whole set of skills to something that's actually very hard and very challenging. So I think the challenge of it right now, the challenge is that we have phenomenal demand for organic products. Mm -hmm. Uh, People really understand that organic is, by purchasing organic, you're purchasing something that really means a lot with that USDA organic label. So the demand is there, the interest is there, but the challenge that we have is that we're not fully meeting that demand from what we're able to grow here in the United States. Mm. And so that's one of the issues that we're focused on at the National Organic Coalition is finding ways to really increase the amount of produce that we're growing here in the United States so that we can have more of those benefits to the environment and to our communities accrue here in the U.S., but also that farms are able to take advantage of that opportunity and that we have a food system with vibrant farms. Yeah. 
Biodiverse farms, I would add, too, that's part of vibrancy. And I see so much monoculture or so much that isn't going from the farm to the table, but is going to either produce livestock feed or corn-based ethanol. And I wish that more farms would go the route where we have more biodiversity, where we are producing the foods, medically important foods is what I like to call them, but the vegetables and the fruits that we all love, that we feel like maybe we can't afford or can't find quality produce in our markets, and certainly the organic ones that are not sprayed as heavily and don't have the heavy residues that we find on more conventionally raised or non-organic produce. Absolutely. And, you know, I actually find when talking with my friends and relatives that there's quite a bit of confusion about what that USDA organic feel means Yeah, because there are so many labels in the marketplace. And it is true that some of the labels don't have a well-defined meaning or you can't be sure of them. So I find that some people are confused about the organic label. And you mentioned just now biodiversity. And a lot of people associate the organic label with what's not there. In other words, right. the absence of pesticides and synthetic fertilizers and the fact that genetically engineered organisms are prohibited in organic, for example. But I think it's also important to talk about what is there. So in the case of organic meat, dairy, and, and livestock products, that it's raising the animals in a way that's consistent with their natural behaviors to the greatest extent possible. So, for example, giving cows access to pasture for organic crops, really cultivating the soil in a way that's protective, that protects biodiversity and the quality of the soil, air, and water. So all of those things are also written into a very strict set of federal regulations that are what apply to that USDA organic seal that you see on the package. Mm -hmm. Let me take one break and remind our listeners that if you're just joining us, you are tuned into Food Sleuth Radio, where we are joined by Ms. Abby Youngblood. She is the executive director of the National Organic Coalition, which is an alliance of farmers, ranchers, NGOs, and food processors dedicated to advancing organic practices and regulations with the utmost of integrity. I'm glad that you mentioned what the organic label means to the consumer. What I hear sometimes from some segments of the population is that they don't trust it. Maybe they read an article that plants those seeds of doubt, that maybe there's a bad player, you know, that old adage, you know, one bad apple spoils the whole bunch. But I try to assure consumers that Yes, the organic seal may not be perfect. We have to keep working to keep it with its high level of integrity, but it is the best label we've got. Tell me what you would tell a consumer who raises that issue with you that says, well, gosh, Abby, you know, I just don't trust the organic label. I don't believe it means what it used to mean or that somehow it's losing its integrity. How do you respond to that? Well, first of all, I want to say that the National Organic Coalition takes concerns about integrity very seriously, which is why we're really on the front lines with both the U.S. Department of Agriculture and members of Congress 
working to strengthen the label where we can. And I think one thing that's exciting about the organic label is that there's a process in place to continually strengthen it where we see problems. And so I think that's one thing to know. I think, secondly, knowing that the organic certification process is rigorous, that any organic farm or organic processing operation has annual on-site inspections, that there is a certification process in place, and also an enforcement process that when there are violations of the standards or when an operation is not in compliance, that there is an enforcement mechanism in place. So the rigor is there. And I think another thing to know is that actually one of our NOC member organizations is Consumers Union, which is part of Consumer Reports. Mm -hmm. And Consumer Reports rates a lot of different things. They also rate food labels. And so Consumer Reports has taken a very close look at the organic label, and they've determined that the seal is consistent, that it is overall consistent, that it is trustworthy, that it means what it claims to mean, and that it is meeting consumer expectations and living up to those expectations. So I do really encourage folks to look at those ratings, which are available online at Mm greenerchoices.org. It's one of my favorite websites. Yeah, so you can really see, because some of the labels that are out there, they don't mean what you think they might mean or should mean. But the organic label is one that is meaningful, and that's not to say that there aren't ways to strengthen that label And so that's exactly what we are trying to do uh, in cases where maybe there are instances where it's falling short. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so let's talk about, if you'd like, the Washington Post articles. There have been a couple now, and there may be more. I think it's interesting that organic is sometimes portrayed in the media as having flawed, as being a flawed system. And there was certainly an article questioning organic milk. There was a a player that was not following the rules as carefully as they should. Somehow they were able to get by with that behavior. I hope that enforcement has been clamped down and, and that system will change. But I wonder if you would like to talk a little bit about the Washington Post article that I'm specifically referring to that uh, was printed in in May about organic milk. How did the National Organic Coalition respond to that? Well, the first thing I would say is that we do welcome in-depth investigative journalism, and we think that that can be part of helping to strengthen the system of verification and enforcement for the organic seal. So, There certainly have been concerns and complaints over time specifically related to the pasture rule for organic dairy. So we know that when you are purchasing organic milk and organic dairy products, those cows, according to the very strict organic regulations that we have, those cows need to be raised for a portion of the year at least on pasture with access to grass and we have a growing body of research showing that there are actually nutrition benefits to having cows eating grass. So that's very important in the organic standards. And so in terms of the allegations and the concerns raised in that article, 
we take those seriously and we see our role as really encouraging members of Congress to ensure that the National Organic Program at the U.S. Department of Agriculture is funded adequately so they are able to address these problems in an efficient and thorough way and not just address problems and complaints, but also implement practices that can help prevent these problems. And secondly, we want to see the Department of Agriculture act swiftly when there are bad actors in the system and either bring those operations into compliance or exclude them from the program. So we've been working with the Department of Agriculture on those kinds of issues and also just really looking to make sure that the National Organic Program is not vulnerable to conflicts of interest and political pressures and how the standards are applied. And part of that is having a system of oversight over the National Organic Program itself by an independent body. And the strength of the organic label is that that kind of system of oversight is written into the organic law and organic regulations. So it does give a mechanism for making sure that this USDA organic seal has integrity. Right. And that would be the National Organic Standards Board. And listeners can go to that website and you can actually get updates. I subscribe to updates so that I know when it's time, if there's an issue, that I should reach out to my senators and representatives to uphold, as you say, something like we want to make sure that in the new Farm Bill we have adequate funding for organic research. Exactly. And our big push right now is, of course, adequate funding for the National Organic Program, which is responsible for making sure that the standards are enforced. And, of course, certifiers are the ones that go out and conduct inspections on farms and with organic operations, but the USDA needs to oversee those certifiers or accredit them. So they need to be resourced properly in order to conduct those audits and make sure that system is operating the way it should be. Exactly. Now, I just want to let our listeners know, and I hope this is okay with you, but we had a conversation before the interview about the Washington Post article, and that particular article had to do with some inspections at the Aurora Organic Dairy. And the National Organic Coalition responded to that article, and you had tried to submit a rebuttal, but the paper didn't publish it. And that is a problem for consumers not being able to hear the whole story. So if People would like to know more about what was included, what was not included that should have been included in the Washington Post article, this one on specifically organic milk. You can go to the National Organic Coalition website and you can read a letter that is written by an organic farmer. You can also read about aspects of the Washington Post article where there were failings, as you described multiple failings with regard to what the article stated. So all media has bias, but when there are errors in reporting, we want to make sure that we get the facts straight. So I do encourage people to go to the nationalorganiccoalition.org website and learn more about that if this particular study is important to you.
Is there anything else you want to say about that particular component of organic dairy? You know, I think one thing that's just really important to point out is that most organic dairy farmers are doing an amazing job. Mm -hmm. And so while I don't, you know, I think the allegations made by the Post in terms of bad actors, I think that those need to be investigated thoroughly, and I do not discount that. Mm -hmm. I think it's important for folks to keep in mind that most organic dairy farmers care for their animals with great attention and dedication, that they have an amazing amount of knowledge about how to grow crops and raise animals without pesticides, without antibiotics and hormones. And so they do this with great care. And I want to keep those farms at the forefront when we have these conversations so that we're not letting the fact that there are some bad actors detract from all of the farms that are doing things right and that we really do want to be supporting. And I think when you are purchasing organic products in the marketplace, you should feel good about that and you should feel good about supporting those farms. So the organic seal is not perfect, but it's not a reason to stop supporting all of those farms who are doing it the right way. Mm-hmm. Now, we just have a couple of minutes left, and I want to put the ball back in your court and have you share anything about the National Organic Coalition, affectionately called NOC, with our listeners. Thank you. Well, I think what I would just say is we really have an opportunity right now, given the growth in the marketplace, given the value that people place on having products that are grown organically, we really have an opportunity to, as we try to expand organic to more people, to make it accessible to more people, and to meet more of that demand in the marketplace with food that's produced right here on farms in the United States, I think the opportunity is to continue to strengthen the organic seal as we do that. So I would encourage folks, if they're interested in these issues, if they care about these issues, please do get directly involved. There are a lot of opportunities right now for folks to engage with their members of Congress and with the new administration on this issue to express support for this type of system of agriculture. And you can do that by going to the National Organic Coalition website and signing up for our our email list to get action alerts and to hear more about these issues. Mm -hmm. You've got a great website, and you've got many resources. You've got policy papers, comments. You've got the National Organic Plan, information on organic living and resources. I chose one piece that I wanted to let our listeners know about, and we don't have time to go through them, but I want to direct them, and that is the seven steps to fair farming. And that comes back full circle to your work with food justice, but talking about how we can make farming fairer to farmers and consumers, and what a wonderful opportunity for consumers and healthcare providers and farmers to form a coalition to be stronger so that we can have healthy foods protecting public health and homeland security. Absolutely. And I think it's something where we do need to get creative to find ways that we can meet the needs of our farms and make sure they're economically viable and at the same time make sure that we increase opportunities for folks to have access to fresh, nutritious food. 
Perfect. Thank you so much for being my guest. I want to thank our listeners for joining us and remind everyone that Food Sleuth Radio is produced by Dan Hemmelgarn at KOPN Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri. We have been speaking with Ms. Abby Youngblood. She is the Executive Director at the National Organic Coalition. Thank you so much, Abby, for being my guest. Thanks, Melinda. Thank you.